Hello, friends or crickets, because I don't know how many of you are listening. And it's actually a good thing. If you are listening right now and it's the fall of 2020, you have my undivided attention. Just reach me at feedinghandbook.com or drevka.com and I will talk to you about anything. Tell me what you need, truly. And uh, go into the work with me section because if you're listening, I just want to thank you so, so much for listening. And it also means I'm not talking to crickets. Yay! That's a really good thing. Anyway, I wanted to talk to you more about newborns who have weight loss and what that means. Welcome to another episode. It's been a while, right? Like a week (laughs) since my last one. But that's the hope, to give you an episode once a week. So today's going to be a continuation of the Choose Your Own Adventure story about Becky. Hey, come on. By now, you remember Becky if you've been listening to some of the other episodes, like episode five and six. In episode five and in episode six, you learned about Becky's story because I shared it with you. As a refresher, Becky is an older mom in her 40s who just gave birth to a full-term baby. She lives paycheck to paycheck as a single mother, and she has a six-year-old son. And Becky had something unexpected happen to her during the baby's birth. That unexpected thing was an emergency C-section, like cesarean section, C-section, but you know that. The other thing that happened with this birth is that she encountered challenges with breastfeeding. While in the hospital, the lactation consultant came to visit her and the baby, but offered little more than encouragement because the hospital was really busy that day. The only available lactation consultant had to see so many patients. Eventually, Becky was sent home while she still had breastfeeding difficulties and while she was still recovering for surgery. After all, a C-section is a surgical operation for delivering a child in which the doctor cuts a wall in mommy's belly. And of course, again, you already knew that. But it's, it's a major surgery. It's not something simple. And after discharge from the hospital, while Becky herself was still recovering from the surgery, two days later, Becky was expected to come see the pediatricians or the family doctor's office. Because family doctors can see children, too. She got to the doctor's office. The doctor took the baby's weight and mentioned matter-of-factly that the baby had lost about 12% of its body weight. The doctor also said, and again, I'm going to kind of pretend that you can kind of hear the doctor speak, so let me, let me go through that. The doctor said, get yourself to a lactation consultant right now. If you do not, and the baby does not gain a significant amount of weight within the next three days, when you come here again, I'll be sending you and your baby back to the hospital. That sounds pretty scary. So, do you know a story like that? Can you identify with Becky? Are you a caregiver of a child who the medical establishment was worried about when they were first born? Someone who had seemed to lose more weight than expected? Or do you know somebody who's been in that situation? We're going to discuss this more in today's episode. We're going to talk a little bit about what happened in the hospital. So stay tuned. I'm so glad you're listening. 
I'm Dr. Evcom. I'm a physician and a mom to a young child who fed reluctantly. I remember feeling so scared and so alone as it was hard for me to find the answers to my child's feeding difficulties and to improve the feeding. Fast forward past many doctor's visits, lots of reading, multiple certifications on various aspects of feeding, and many feeding therapy sessions with me as the mom. You will see a child and a parent who have gone a long way in the feeding department. Life feels so much scary. I have so much powerful knowledge regarding early childhood feeding. Feeding has become easier, and I have more of my life back. I create this Feeding Made Easy podcast as I want you to have actionable, simple, so they might not be easy, but simple, step-by-step strategies so that you don't have to feel as scared or as alone as I once did. If you have some questions about nutrition and picky eating or nutrition or food allergies, if you have a young child with lots of symptoms but no good solutions regarding why feeding seems more difficult than you would expect, if you have a diagnosis but do not know where to get more good, actionable, step-by-step information, you're in the right place. Let's get learning. Just remember that this material is for educational purposes only. I'm not your doctor. Nope, I'm not your doctor. If you or your child have specific medical concerns, please see your doctor. Okay, so last week we talked about some of Becky's initial reactions to hearing what the doctor said about her potentially having to go to the hospital with her baby and if the baby did not gain enough weight, like how she was feeling about all of this. Last week we also discussed some of the complications of too much weight loss, what is considered uh, too much weight loss. And we talked a little bit about some of the things you can do about it, but we're going to discuss that more. This whole story of Becky, again, is about four episodes long, so this is the third episode. This week, I wanted to bring up some additional points. Specifically, I wanted to talk about how the doctor had mentioned that Becky see a lactation consultant right away. And like, right away, even though it can be harder to see a doctor for the first time when you're in the outpatient setting. But not every lactation consultant is available right away, right that moment. And then did you catch something? Didn't we just say that Becky saw a lactation consultant just a few days before she went to, with her baby to the pediatrician's office? Then when she saw the pediatrician, she was told to see a lactation consultant right away. This brings up a very good question. Why? She had just seen one in the hospital. What do you think happened during the visit with the lactation consultant in the hospital? Why would Becky be expected to see a lactation consultant so shortly after she just saw one? Think about this. Why do you think that Becky was asked to see a lactation consultant again so, so quickly? And I'm going to kind of present this to you as like a choose your own adventure podcast. I'm going to give you three options and you can tell me which one you would most agree with. So do you think that Becky was asked to see a lactation consultant so quickly after she saw the last, last one because A, the lactation consultant within the hospital was not knowledgeable or was it B, the lactation consultant in the hospital was unable to provide the same quality of care as the lactation consultant that she would see outside of the hospital? Or was it C? There was some miscommunication between what Becky understood and what the lactation consultant in the hospital was telling her. Which is it? 
How many of you would choose A? The lactation consultant in the hospital just didn't know her stuff. How many of you would choose B? That the lactation consultants in the hospital work differently than many who do not work in the hospital. And then how many of you would choose C? That there was a misunderstanding with communication. Which is it? A, B, and C? Two of them? Just one? So let's go through each one. If you chose A, and again, A is the lactation consultant within the hospital was not knowledgeable, then you need to remember that the education of a lactation consultant and that of an international board-certified lactation consultant. While many people, regardless of education or training, could potentially call themselves lactation consultants, many hospitals employ an international board-certified lactation consultant. This is someone who has taken the prerequisite courses, the required courses, about 90 hours of lactation-specific education, and they've passed an exam. Also, this board-certified lactation consultant must have a lot of experience, so you can't just take the 90-hour exam and say, hey, I'm a board-certified lactation consultant. Um, you also have to have experience. So either you work a thousand hours within the last five years with mothers who breastfeed, or you've had 300 supervised hours of clinical practice with breastfeeding mothers. So either you already have the experience and a thousand hours of it within the last five years, or you're going to get 300 supervised hours. In other words, especially if the person who saw Becky in the hospital was a board-certified lactation consultant, then that person had a lot of knowledge. You know, 90 hours, all this clinical experience, it doesn't always mean that their knowledge about everything is completely there. It doesn't always mean that they've seen exactly your version of a child, but there is experience, there is learning, there is pass of an exam. So it's, you know, you can't just call yourself a board certified lactation consultant without having some credentials behind you. Then why did the doctor ask Becky to see a lactation consultant so soon after she had just seen one in the hospital, right? If you're talking about an international board certified lactation consultant, having already seen her and you're assuming that they're pretty knowledgeable, why would one be expected to see her so quickly again? Perhaps that's because something else was going on. We'll go through that in the next couple of answers. So if you choose B, and again, if you chose B, then you thought the lactation consultant in the hospital was unable to provide the same quality of care as the lactation consultant as she would see outside the hospital. If you chose this answer, then perhaps you are aware that a visit with a lactation consultant in the hospital may be quite different than seeing one once you and your baby have been discharged home. Let me discuss some of the reasons why lactation visits in the hospital may be different than ones that you get later on. The first reason is that more time has gone by. When the lactation consultant sees you in the hospital, they only see what's going on at that moment of your and your baby's life. The baby's just been born, and they kind of see the baby and you within those first few days or first few hours, they need to see what's going on over time. The only way to really do that is to have them come again and again and see the baby again at a different period of time and a prolonged period of time, not just a short period of time that you get to be in the hospital seeing one before you're discharged home after giving birth. 
Also, you have to figure out how the hospital system works here in the United States. Maybe it's different from what it's like in other countries or other areas, but this is what it's been like in many of the hospitals around me. One hospital may employ only one or two lactation consultants for a particular day, and that's maybe if you're lucky. Let's say that the average hospital employs one lactation consultant for a specific day, and that employment may not even be full-time. It may be a part-time basis, and that lactation consultant is expected to see everybody in the hospital who requests a lactation consultant visit that day. This does not include just the mother who just gave her birth to her baby, other new mothers on the hospital floor, in other parts of the hospital. Let's say that the lactation consultant has to see 24 patients that day in the hospital. She decides to work longer than expected because 24 patients can be a lot. Let's say that she puts in 10 straight hours in the hospital as opposed to the 8 that have been assigned to her. That equates to about 25 minutes for each and every mother and her baby if she does nothing but see mothers and babies. However, during that work time, not only does she need to be involved in other activities, but she has to go through a procedure like this for her patients. This is for most of her patients. She first needs to look at the chart before she comes in the room. She has to come into the room already knowing a little bit about that mother and the baby. Then, after she sees the mother and her child, at a time when the baby might not necessarily even want to breastfeed, she has to see them. Then, she has to return to the chart, and the lactation consultant still has to fill out all of this paperwork regarding what has happened during the visit. Paperwork, paperwork, paperwork. Paperwork takes a significant portion of time. That doesn't leave much time for an actual evaluation. The lactation consultant is not going to be able to spend a huge amount of time in that room. That's different from what you might be offered if you saw a lactation consultant, either virtually or in an office somewhere once you have left the hospital then you may get more of their time. Another difference is that in many hospitals, lactation consultants are limited in what they can say to the family. Some hospitals have blanket policies that the lactation consultant may not be able to tell the parent that the baby has a tongue tie. Yep, a tongue tie, and it can't be discussed. A tongue tie might not be something that the hospital wants to discuss with the baby's family, and that could be for a variety of reasons. And yet a tongue tie may be contributing to why it's so hard to feed the baby. However, if the tongue tie is not brought up, it's not going to be addressed. And feeding difficulties attributed to a significant tongue tie might not be able to be improved. And I remember this as my own story when I was in the hospital. My child was born with a significant tongue tie. And I, you know, I have my medical background, so I kept telling the lactation consultants, I think my baby has a tongue tie, and they'd be silent. And then I tell them, another lactation consultant, or the same one, I think my baby has a tongue tie, and there'd be silence. It wasn't until I spoke to the NICU doctor, and I told them, you know, I'm a physician, I know this, I know my child has a tongue tie, that I was told yes your child has a tongue tie. A, we're just not allowed to say that. It's, there's a policy in the hospital that we're not allowed to mention that there's tongue ties in these babies. Which, you know, for me, was was you know, pretty frustrating. 
and I am worried that this might not be the only hospital that this happens. I did eventually contact the hospital and let them know that, you know, tongue ties are a real entity. Tongue ties can certainly contribute to some feeding difficulties. They need to be addressed. You can't just pretend that they don't exist because they do exist. After addressing that with the hospital, trying to reach the hospital regarding their policy, no, never got any responses. So it's kind of sad. Again, you may be in a hospital that has different policies, or maybe you're in a different country, or somewhere else in the area, but I have a feeling that in certain hospitals, it's just hard to get a lot of quality time with the lactation consultant. Not because the lactation consultant isn't trying so hard to see you, but because of all the limitations that are placed on the uh, lactation consultant. Alright, so that was my big thing about choosing B that the lactation consultant in the hospital was enabled to provide the same quality of care as the lactation consultant that would see the baby outside the hospital. And let's just kind of go through that see. So how many of you would think that there was some miscommunication between what Becky understood and what the lactation consultant in the hospital was telling her? If you chose this answer, if you chose C, then how many of you would ask, well, what kind of conversation did the lactation consultant have with Becky? Was there some kind of miscommunication? Again, we are not blaming anyone, but miscommunication happens. I think it's just part of like life. I know you're listening, and I know I can't really hear you, so I apologize, but how many of you would say, possibly, possibly there was some miscommunication? How many of you would ask if there was some kind of miscommunication that happened during the visits with the lactation consultant in the hospital? The reason I mention this is because sometimes there can be a disconnect between what a healthcare provider says and what the patient hears. In fact, miscommunication can happen in so many settings, not just in the healthcare setting. Although this is a trivial compared to what can happen with feeding a young child or baby, I'll give you an example of a miscommunication that happened between me and a photographer this weekend. So again, I'm just trying to use this as an example that there's miscommunication just about anywhere. Our family decided to have some outdoor pictures taken this fall, and complete with masks because we're trying to be cautious given that there's currently COVID-19. We didn't really talk much to the photographer prior to the photo session. However, I did get an email that said the following. Please arrive at the park 10 minutes prior to your appointment time. My husband will be greeting families and leading you to your photo shoot. Look for him by the greenhouse, which is right by the parking lot. If you need to reach out to me directly, my number is 111-111-1111. Just substitute other numbers in real life, okay? Thanks. We got to the greenhouse about 10 minutes early. We waited 10 minutes and still did not see anybody. Thus, I called the photographer at the provided phone number and I went straight to a message that said that voicemail had not been even set up. I could not reach the photographer. Anyway, we waited longer until the photographer's husband finally arrived many, many minutes later and I had the audacity to ask weren't we supposed to be able to reach the photographer on the phone? Like, weren't we able to reach your wife on the phone? And weren't you supposed to come greet us earlier? I was surprisingly direct and probably caught him a little off guard. It turns out that the photographer was only available for phone calls at her convenience 
and she's notorious for not picking up the phone. Also, he was supposed to come find us only after she has set up all her photography equipment for our session, not as soon as we arrived 10 minutes early. There was a difference in expectations. I know. I know. These are first world problems. I should feel lucky that we were able to do a full photography session complete with masks. And I should just be happy that we were able to get these pictures in the middle of a pandemic. Although this example is of little importance compared to the stress of not being able to feed your baby as a new mom, it illustrates that misunderstandings can happen at any time in almost any setting. Thus, it's possible that misunderstandings could happen during a visit with a lactation consultant. Remember that I'm not blaming anyone. I'm just saying that misunderstandings are possible. So what are some of the things that can be done to lower their risk? Okay, so let's go over that. When talking to a health provider, it might be good to have someone you trust with you, someone who can act as another set of eyes or ears, someone with whom you can bounce ideas and thoughts, and you can ask them afterwards, like, is this really what happened during the visit? What did you see? Did you, we both hear and see the same thing. Again, having a second person there is often not possible, but I like the idea of it because you can both kind of concur or disagree with what was said. If no one is available, another option is to ask the medical staff to write everything down, or you can write things down yourself. If that's not practical either, and you might need permission to do this depending upon laws in your area, but you could consider tape recording the visit. It's just a way to make sure that what you heard and what was said are basically <laughs> the same things. So again, I probably asked the healthcare provider beforehand, but you know, consider tape recording the conversation. That brings up another important topic. How many of you have thought, hey, what is it that lactation consultants say during a first time visit with a breastfeeding baby and her mother in the hospital? What do they actually have time to say? Are you interested? If so, please keep listening. I will tell you what they told Becky. And some of you may say, yeah, that's what happened to me too. If you're going through it right now. I'll keep this brief for this podcast. I will discuss common breastfeeding concerns in a future episode. So after quickly learning about Becky's medical history from her medical chart at the nurse's station in the maternity floor in the hospital, the lactation consultant entered the room. She wanted to know about Becky's health as well as that of her baby. She wanted to know the baby's birth weight as well as other weights. She wanted to see what kind of recording was done in the chart regarding how many wet and solid diapers the baby had and what they looked like. When the lactation consultant finally saw Becky and her baby in their hospital room, she had more questions to ask them. She asked Becky, do you know how well the baby has latched onto your breast? And do you know whether the baby is feeding well? She would observe how Becky breastfed her baby and offer some quick tips to a better latch and better feeding. She would show Becky which position the baby preferred when breastfeeding because most babies prefer one position a little bit more than the other and she would also ask about preferences. She would put a finger in a baby's mouth to check mouth structures as well as how the baby was sucking. She would check Becky's breasts as each person has a unique set of breasts that may look different from another person. 
Some breasts seem to be better suited for breastfeeding than others. Sorry, it's true. I think breasts are wonderful, but some are just a little bit more suited for breastfeeding. Breasts that are small and thin or long and tubular present different breastfeeding challenges than very large breasts which may block the baby's nose depending upon how the baby is positioned. The lactation consultant often comes with different treatment recommendations depending upon what she sees in terms of the breasts. If the lactation consultant has time, which she may not have, she may also weigh the baby before breastfeeding and then weigh the baby again once the breastfeeding was finished. By weighing before breastfeeding and weighing after breastfeeding, the lactation consultant can find out how much the baby ate. As we discussed, the visit with a lactation consultant in the hospital is usually not as long as one that is done elsewhere as a medical appointment. Also, it can take days for the mother's breasts to change in shape and size for preparation of breastfeeding after the baby is born. Thus, the breast that the lactation consultant sees in the hospital soon after the baby is born may look different than the breasts and how they look once the baby and the mom have been home for a few days. Okay, so hopefully this answers a few of your questions about lactation consultants and how a visit with one in the hospital can be different from one done later on. You can understand why the baby's pediatrician asked Becky to see a lactation consultant soon after she had already seen one. Now, the next natural question for you may be, was Becky able to see the lactation consultant enough time before she had to bring the baby back to the hospital? And like, what happened? And that's a great question. And we will discuss it in next week's podcast. Uh, so sorry to keep you waiting. It's just, there's so much to discuss. If you're listening to this podcast at a time other than the fall of 2020, when it's first starting, then you can just skip over to the next episode, which will be episode eight in the series of weight loss and breastfed newborn. All right. Now go get your free items at drevka.com or feedinghandbook.com. This episode is episode seven. The freebie is going to be a surprise because why not just head over to that page and you'll be surprised by today's freebie and I think it's going to be helpful for this session. Go check out my website. Also, please tell me if you'd like me to discuss anything on my podcast or even if you want to be on my podcast. If you have a feeding story to share, I would love to hear it from you. Just let me know in the work with me section at the feedinghandbook.com website or the Dr. Evka website. Can't decide which name to use yet. So I have the both of them posted to the same podcast. But I would love to hear your input. If you want to subscribe to weekly podcasts and get notifications on when they will come, also let me know. Again, go to my website, go to the work with me section. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spending another moment with me. Thanks for joining me today. I'll see you next week. I'll be here, and I'm looking forward to our next interaction. This is Dr. Evka and the Feeding Made Easy podcast.